Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. Good morning. So we are starting a new series this week, this month, called Under Authority. And what does that mean? And what does that look like? Spiritually, it's actually a really big deal. Uh, And it's pretty basic in the walk with Christ, but we aren't very good at it in Christianity, especially especially in Western Christianity. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about why and what does that mean and what does it look like? Um, I, I, I want to, I think back to when I was, uh, I think I was about 15, 16 years old. Um, this is back in the 90s uh, when music was good and clothes were comfortable. And, 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 uh, and we, our youth group went downtown. They took a bunch of us downtown to see the fireworks after the Taste of Chicago. And they took us downtown. We rode the train down. And then as we're walking towards where the fireworks are, it's like a monsoon came in. It just starts pouring, just drenching. Like the water rose up in the streets, like quickly. It was crazy, um, and it pretty much ended the fireworks. But it caused these tens of thousands of people who were at the Taste of Chicago to start rushing towards the trains. Right, so they're all rushing towards where we're coming from. And what happened is it just just mass chaos. Well, you may or may not know this, but some people drink alcohol at the Taste of Chicago. I know, right? What? Um, I didn't even know they served it. And so, so one of the guys that's walking, it, it basically just created chaos because then you had ambulances trying to get through that couldn't get through between the rain and all the people in the streets, and, and it, was, it was just chaos. And I remember, I remember there was one guy who was pretty heavily inebriated. And how do I know? It was more like, how could you not know? (laughs) Like, this guy was gone. And the cops were trying to clear out a space for an ambulance to get through that had somebody in it. And this one guy, now I would like to, I would like to just slightly illustrate. Um, can I get one volunteer, a man, a man volunteer, really, come here, Drew, come on, quick, run, run, run. Okay, really fast. Come on, Drew. And all I need you to do is stand there. So stand right here. And this cop, now this is back in a day when there was a time, right, now it's very different. It shifted. The culture shifted. But does anybody remember a day not that long ago where you just did not mess with Chicago cops? Does anybody remember that? And, and the, the, why? Because they were, there was some brutality and corruption? Among other things, Yeah. Also because they own guns and, and things, right? There was a time where you just did not mess with Chicago cops. This was that time, okay? And, and this guy, the cop is just yelling at him to move. Just move, right? And he, he keeps trying to just explain himself and get him to calm down. And I remember I'm about 50 feet back and you're just thinking, dude, just leave. Just leave. Like, if a cop is telling you to leave, 
leave, right? This is great news. You're not in trouble. They're just unhappy with you. And here's what happened. As he's explaining himself, he does one of these by accident. Just like, hey, man. And this is literally what happened. He looked at his hand, and then the cop looked at his hand, and then they both looked at each other. And within a second, that man was whipped around, cuffed, and in the back of a paddy wagon, and we never saw him again. <laughs> Thanks, Drew. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Good for... I don't know why we're applauding that. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but because you can't touch a police officer, because any form of contact with an officer is considered police brutality uh, of any kind. Like, it's not allowed. Um, and especially back then. And I just remember thinking... He's a Chicago police officer. What are you doing? Why? Because he carries a weight of authority with that job. And you don't mess with it. There's a level of authority you just don't mess with, right? Now, if that were just some random dude, would he have done that? You know, if, he was, if it was one guy yelling at another, that wouldn't happen. I remember in Texas, where my, my son is going, one of our teachers, now in Texas, you, you, anybody here been to Texas? But here, spend any time, especially in like the Dallas area. So it's very different here. There, their school zones, they take insanely seriously, super seriously. So how, what's the speed limit in the school zone? 25. It's usually 20. Okay, some of you need to maybe take a test again. All right. It's usually 20. And, and here's the thing. In, in Texas... You never go over that, ever. Here, like, as long as there's no kids, you know, whatever you got to do, <laughs> right? You know, and even then, dodge, you know, but, but <laughs> I'm kidding. But we all kind of do it sometimes, right? <laughs> Depends on the school. I don't like those kids. But um, I am kidding, all right? So, but there, and I remember, uh, so I, I knew somebody who'd been pulled over, and he was doing not very fat, like 30 or 35. And he was pulled over, but he had different state plates on. And he walked up and he said, son, where are you from? He goes, well, I'm, I'm from Alabama. And here's what the officer said. He said, well, you may kill your kids in Alabama, but we don't do that here. Now, he wouldn't say that to just a random person. He says that from his position of authority. God set up authority. And he even set up spiritual authority. We don't like it now because we have like this authority allergy. And I think it's it's exceptionally true in America. Right? We've had bad leadership, but we also, that's literally the foundation of our country, was we don't like your leadership, and we're out. <laughs> that's how we started. And some of you were like, well, that was God, and some of you were like, and they were, they were all this or that. No matter which way you spin it, that is the story. Okay, the story is, we said to England, no more. And we have an aversion, an allergy to authority in this country like most nations probably don't have. We are willing to say no to authority at every level, for everything, anywhere, at all things. And yet, it's a spiritual principle in play 
that God set it up and it's not all bad. Matter of fact, some of it's ordained by God. We're going to see actually most of it's ordained by God. And that's a hard thing to reconcile. It's a hard thing to figure out being under authority in nearly every situation is not just a good thing, but a God thing. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their works to watch over your souls and they're accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. Now you need to know that verse is written to a church that's most likely a persecuted church. This church is under the early occupation of Romans still. Under the persecution of Romans. Like being thrown into lion's den and eaten. I do not necessarily understand the concept of saying, they're going to eat me and I'm supposed to listen to them. <laughs> and yet, he's kind of arguing that within, within a framework. And we're going to talk about when and where we obey authority and when we don't. There are moments where we say, all right, I can't follow that. And we're going to talk about that. Right? But we, are, we as believers are supposed to be different. We're supposed to get what authority is and what it isn't. And where it applies and where it doesn't in our lives. And the best part is, it's actually good news. Once we get it, it's really freeing. Years ago, I started working in my first real big ministry job. I worked with a pastor who was just not easy to work for. Anybody here, a guy who wasn't easy to work for? You can put your hand up. Just don't point if they're in the room, okay? Right? You, and, and I remember just being like, God, I'm, I, this is tough. I was pulled in every week for six months because I, I was dual role. I was the worship leader and the youth pastor. I had a third role, and that role was whatever the pastor didn't want to do pastor. Okay? So that was, that was my job. Um, and, 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 and it was not glamorous a lot of times, right? My very first ministry job was, a lot of it was cleaning toilets. You did not feel God's presence and smiling upon you in that moment, ever. So, so if you do, good for you, you are more spiritual than I am. I did not. I didn't feel God's pleasure, I felt God's pain. That's how it felt. And I remember, I'm working for this pastor, and for every week for six months, he would pull me in on our Tuesday or Monday meeting, and he would say, hey, worship sucked, do better. So it was just a pick-me-up for the week to just, to just say, all right, let's go. Thank you. May I have another? You know, like that's, that's how it felt. Like how, what am I going to do? And I, here's what I did. Here's the thing about that. I could be like, that was wrong and evil. Wrong or evil or not, God set it up. And I was stuck there. You know, when you want a job, there's no offers. <laughs> when you don't want a job, they just keep coming. <laughs> this was that time. There were no offers. <laughs> and I wasn't going anywhere. And I'm like, God, what do I do? 
And I remember the Lord just began to teach me, earn that man's favor. Honor him. Work your tail off. Come underneath it and submit yourself to it. And from that, I became a pretty strong worship leader. I remember the day to this day. I was so defeated. I never knew when worship sounded good anymore. I was like, it sounded good to me. It sounded like skunks dying in a general public area is what it sounded like to everybody else. Like that's, that, I, and I, I was so discouraged and I got down and I just plopped myself in the front row. But here's the cool thing. The pastor came up to me. He whispered in my ear before he preached that day and he said, worship was awesome today. And I was like, I did it! <laughs> Woo! It happened! Like, I was bearable to the ears. This is amazing, you know? And then it got better and better. And we started having, like, citywide worship nights, and people would come. God did a total reversal. But I had to learn the power of coming under authority to be raised up into authority. And it was painful until it wasn't. It went from pain into power because God used it, right? The Bible says, humble yourself in my sight, and I'll raise you up. Paul, or not Paul, whoever wrote Hebrews is saying to a persecuted church, listen, submit this thing. Be submitted. And he's, he, the language actually goes all the way back to like Abraham with Melchizedek. Now Abraham, as we understand the Bible, is really the first believer, right? Adam and Eve, I mean, it's not really belief when you're like walking with God. Abraham's the first one who has an encounter with God separate from face to face, and God speaks to him, and he begins to follow him, and he, follow, and he, and he finds the priest Melchizedek, who's this high priest of God, and he submits himself to him. And that's the language that's hearkening back in this verse. Like that, even when it doesn't make sense, it doesn't look right, nobody else is doing it. At Abraham's time, there were no believers. There were no Jewish people. It was Abraham, and God called him out. The Jewish people were coming, but they weren't here yet. And he submitted himself even then, with no reasoning to other than God set it up. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, this is a really self-serving message, Pastor Brian. <laughs> Good for you. Listen to Pastor Brian. <laughs> yes. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, it's really not. It really is as a pastor for you. Now, what it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean, and we're going to talk about it, it doesn't mean crazy control. It doesn't mean, when Pastor Brian starts calling himself the prophet Elijah, leave. <laughs> okay? When, when somebody says they're the Messiah, don't go there. All right? When somebody says you're, you're supposed to give 20%, not 10, you don't got to listen. The Bible is the final authority. We're to talk, right? There are things set up. Is God our first authority in our life? Yes, of course he is. And his word and if something goes directly against his word, we don't have to listen. But we do that with heartache, not with joy. There are far too many believers in America right now that take joy in rebellion. 
And we've had to face those things too. Okay, over the years of COVID, now no matter where you stood on it, something in us as pastoral leadership, the elders, we didn't sit right with the idea of somebody telling us how we do or do not worship the Lord. Where you can or can't gather and how you can gather. Now I think every church in their context had to figure out how to answer that for their people. 100%. For the, for the churches that waited longer, for the churches that masked or nomad, that is between them and the Lord and their church. I'm not making judgments on that. But when the government says, I don't let you worship, correct, you don't. I worship the Lord whether you let me or not. We will gather and worship the Lord whether you give me the thumbs up or you don't. Now, how you do, there were several families, we have one family, she's going to give her testimony soon, Jenny Brown, she went in the hospital with COVID for a long time, she battled for a long time, and then from there, she stayed online for a long time. Do we understand that? Of course we do. Of course we do. And then there were others, you were in this room today because we were a church that gathered, and nobody else was. And not because you wanted to rebel, because you were longing and hungry to lift up the name of the Lord amongst his people. That's good. Right? Within the system. Now God is so good that when we obey and listen to him, okay, he put us in a town where the chief of police and the mayor said, you do what you're going to do, nobody will stand in your way and we got your back. Praise the Lord. See, when we submit ourselves to authority, it's coming under, and this is a good day for this illustration. We think authority is, look, he's trying to keep you down. No, no, no. Godly authority that's ordained by God that's good is a covering to go where you need to go without being affected in ways that would otherwise negatively affect you. We are so distrustful of authority because they should never let us down. If you want authority that never lets you down, then you should be dead because the only place you're going to find that is Jesus himself. We don't want you dead. Don't kill yourself. Life without living under authority, spiritual authority, physical authority is out here. Right? John's a fireman. What if somebody was like, I'm my own fire department. I don't need other ones. I'm my own. Good luck, buddy. Right? I'm my own police. Right. You're an episode of Dateline waiting to happen. That's what you are. Right? And, but here's the good news. The leaders give an account. So here's the encouragement. For those of you who are like, I don't like being under authority, or I don't like this message, or it doesn't sit right with me. First, godly leadership realizes they give an account to God. So the instruction we give, I am not a fan of controlling people. And if you've been here long enough, you know that. And the elders can tell you that all day long. I, I just don't, I'm not into controlling people. And I've learned the hard way when you do that, people don't do that. And, and the Lord really doesn't either. He gives us the option, right? But the Lord does, the Lord gives us commands, and then he gives us the option, follow it or not. 
okay? So I'm not talking about what, do what Pastor Brian says. No, no, do what the Lord says, do what the Bible says, do what spiritual leadership says, do what your boss says, and do it as much as you can to honor the Lord without complaining and arguing. And that is very hard because we live in a day and a time and a country where complaining and arguing can make you a lot of money and get you a lot of followers. And yet, it's the antithesis of to the walk of the, of the true follower of Jesus Christ. I am guilty as everybody in this arena. It says godly leaders will give an account. Godly leadership, if, how do you know if you're under it? They fear the Lord. They're more afraid of God's, what God's going to do to them for saying the wrong thing than you are. Man, I pray and hope that you see that in our life and any leadership that's at this church, that we fear the Lord, that we stand before the Father with trembling, and we make a mistake, we apologize. And we're going to make them. It's going to happen. I know other spiritual leadership who, they have no healthy fear of the Lord. We have to. Okay, Romans 13.1. Okay, what does it say? Romans 13.13, 13, I'm sorry. Everyone must submit to governing authorities. All authority comes from God. That's a tough one. All authority comes from God. So if you're like, well, I'm a self-appointed apostle, that isn't from God, that's from you. I wasn't put in the position of pastor by myself. I wasn't like, I'm going to start a church. You know, no, pastors, a fellowship of believers, elders, people of God came around me and said, this is the Lord and we are with you, right? Okay, I I love self-appointed people. Anybody here work with the self-appointed leader of the the group of people you work with and yet they're, they're not, they've just made themselves. Oh, thank you for keeping us all on task person who makes less than me. I'm so glad you're here, right? We all know that person, right? In those positions of authority, they've been placed by God. Here's something, we've got to wrestle with this one. Not that long ago, actually just two weeks ago or so, I put on a movie. It was, it was Shine, my, my nine-year-old and Andrew, and we watched the movie. Everybody here ever seen this movie, The Boy in the Striped Pajamas? Now that is a tough watch, you can probably figure that out. Now, I did not know the ending of this movie, and if, if you, uh, it's been well over a decade, so spoiler alert, if you don't want to know, plug your ears, walk out, go get a cup of coffee. But you can probably figure out. Now, here's what's weird. I saw a review said, such an inspiring story. And I'm like, inspiring is not the word I would use. <laughs> that is not, yeah, it's probably some guy with a shaved head and a, swastika right in that review but but we watched it and the end of the movie you know a concentration camp and it ends badly I'll just say that now shine doesn't know a lot about World War II yet but she asked a great question why would God allow something like that to happen how could something like that happen in our world I wasn't thinking that way at nine. I didn't watch this movie at nine either, but 
she, she brings up a great, now here's the thing. I didn't try, neither of us as parents tried to answer giant eternal questions we could never answer. Do we believe God ordained the death of Jews or anybody in the Holocaust? Of course not. We go back to Genesis. We see very clearly in his word, death and God are not friends. Death is the enemy of God. But God took even this most horrific time in history, and from this in 1946, from this horrific destruction, God establishes the state of Israel, which is prophesied in the book of Revelation as the restoration of a nation. Now, simplistic people, especially atheist simplistic people, will say, well, if God did this, then that, that's a cruel, sick God. That's minimizing and way oversimplifying something that's deeply intricate, complex, and across the vastness of eternity. But what I can say is, in the very end, God seems to know what he's doing even in the most horrific of circumstances. Even in the worst leadership, God seems to figure it out. Are there times we have to walk away from leadership? Right. Yes, of course there is. But that should be the exception, not the rule. For those of you who have been in 10 churches in the last three years, you have an authority issue. I love you, you want to get this thing down and you want to learn it. And most of us, we have authority issues, one, because of the culture we're in, but two, often because of where we came from. Don't raise your hands, please don't raise your hands, but how many of you came from single parent, no parent, bad parent homes? It's hard to honor and respect authority when the authorities you know have all been so broken. And yet, God sets it up, and even in the worst of circumstances, God's light shine. We do Royal Family Kids Camp. Our camp for foster kids was just last week, and God moved and touched kids, and it was awesome. But some of those kids, they have, they're obviously in the system because they don't have good parents. Nearly all of them. And some of them don't have good foster parents, and some of them do. But the light shines in the darkness at a camp that we do once a year where they see the dramatic, powerful love of Jesus poured out on them. Again, don't oversimplify to make it if then. Well, God caused this so that a camp, that's evil. No, 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 that's oversimplification. Okay? That's not what we're saying. But I want to rip off some authority band-aids real quick, okay? One, you cannot be in authority if you cannot be under authority. You cannot be in authority if you can't be under authority. You just can't. You're never going to be good at it. If you don't learn how to serve when you don't like it, you'll never be able to lead. You just can't. It will be a hiccup for you forever. Anybody here ever had to do something they didn't want to do? <laughs> you should all be raising your hands, right? We all, that is life. And then eventually you find out, oh, it's, flossing is actually a good idea. <laughs> oh. Because it's, it's good. It's not fun always, but it's good. 
right? We need to learn this in our lives. It's really good. Number two, rebellion against authority consistently is a demonic activity. How do I know? 1 Samuel 15, 23. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Is it wrong to challenge authority? No, it is not. It is wrong to challenge authority with the heart of wanting to challenge authority. See the difference? So we sometimes got to speak up. We sometimes got to say something to somebody. But there's a difference between that and somebody who's decided, it is my ministry to call out the elders. (laughs) It is not your ministry. It is a bad idea. It will not go well for you. And some people do it, right? We know people, and I won't name names, uh, but I know people whose whole ministry it is, websites, YouTubes dedicated to tearing down pastors, speakers, leaders, president, like... Man, stop. But the problem, the bigger danger is, look, we all have our like tumultuous 20s and our terrible twos and our times where we wrestle with things and wrestle with authorities. That's fine. I think that's okay. I think sometimes it's even good. Anybody here, your kids ever challenge you and you're like, they're testing the limits of my parenting? And, and it is, they have one, you know, right? We're all going to get there. That's normal, okay? There, there's, a healthy, there's a healthy pushback time. There can be good pushback, right? Oh, not that long ago, okay? Not the, right before we got the TVs, we as elders and the leader, we were talking about, well, what should we do? Because we get the, one of those giant LED screens and put that up. And Well, well these were like 8,000 for the whole big setup, or 20,000 for the other. Now the other's more cool, more fun. <laughs> big, look at us. Look at our big giant TV we got every week, right? And, and, and I was thinking about it, and they were like, stop thinking about it. <laughs> it's too much money, it's too much time, and, and we don't know what kind of building we're gonna end up being in. So, so and they were right, and I'm so glad. I stopped and like, that's good pushback. It's good. There are times we need, but if you have a consistency of saying no to authority, you are messing with the demonic and you don't even know it. It's saying rebellion is as bad as witchcraft. Now, if you don't know, God frowns on witchcraft. He does not like praying and reaching out to spirits and anything that basically isn't him. Doesn't like it. You're inviting the enemy into your life. The Bible here is saying consistent rebellion, living in this place of I reject authority, I reject authority, I reject authority, I reject. You might as well just practice witchcraft because that is what you're doing. That is what we're doing. I have been in places where I'm like, I am out, of, I am out from under authority here and I'm wrong and I've got to stop. There was a little while ago, our, our group, our denomination thing, I, there's something I wanted them to do, and I, I pushed for a little bit. I pushed, not, not in a rebel, but pushed until I got to the place where I was like, all right, done, stop, walk away. There was a season right before planning the church where I felt the Holy Spirit 
telling me it's time, it's time, it's time. And I, I just kept waiting because I was so afraid of being out from under the authority I was. I didn't want to plant. Believe it or not, I never wanted to fully be a lead pastor because I knew it was coming, but I also was afraid that I was doing something out of my own rebellion. And then I heard the Holy Spirit say to me one day, finally, you know, you've got the blessing of the leadership, you've got the blessing of people, and if you don't obey me now, now you're in disobedience to me. And that was the moment I was kind of freaked out, and like, okay, Lord, let's do this. It's, and that's, those are tough moments. Rebellion, over and over. There are people, some of us, we struggle with different types of sins. Some of us struggle with rebellion. I just want to push against the authorities. And we can say, well, it's because of my parents, or it's because of that pastor and my pastor. It's fine, but we only answer to God for us, not everybody else. And at some point, we have to admit, this is sin. I'm sorry, Lord, change me. I don't want to rebel. And last one, the authority is a blessing. And when it isn't, when Florida doesn't feel like a blessing, you can trust God. Because they will answer. They're going to have to answer to the Lord. If you want to see a great move of God, you have to be able to move with God. And God moves with authority. Right? In the military, I had a friend who was in the Coast Guard. And in, 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 in the Coast Guard, they taught them every so many steps, they would have to go like this. Like this giant march. So they'd be marching, but it was like every 15 steps, you got to go like this. And they're like, we look like idiots. Just down, like, why are we doing this? And then he got on a ship. And on the bottom rows of ships, when they were in an emergency, they would get to the doorway, which were holes cut out in the wall off the ground this high, and that was every 15 steps. But he wasn't told that till he got on the ship, and then he began to learn, there's a reason you obey. There's a reason we listen. And there are sometimes we're obeying in things we can't see. See, so we have this idea, it's a kingdom, a level of authority, all right, so... We have earthly ideas of authority, okay? It is not, this is, I'm going to show you what it isn't, okay? It's not God, then the pastor, elders, church, you. It's not that. That is not how this thing goes. That's what people think. And they don't like it. I don't like this either. This isn't the kingdom. Okay? It's not like this. All right? That's not how spiritual authority goes. All right? I gotta see my notes. Okay? Or, or we think it's like this God, maybe the pastor's up there, you know, your boss. And then everybody else is just below, down. And we're all holding it up, but they're at the top, you know, just sending all their junk down to us. This is also not God. This is not kingdom. That's not what God's kingdom of authority looks like. 
the best picture I can give you on what God's picture of authority looks like, and I am not an illustrator, but I'm doing my best. The Bible equates it to a race. And we are all on the same plane, headed in the same direction, just some of us are maybe ahead of us on that. We're all on equal ground, but some of us are ahead of others because God placed them there, because they went before us. But the best news is we're all on the same ground, and God is over every single one of us, and beside us, and in front of us, and beneath us. God is in, around, and above it all. We're all on the same plane, and we submit to serve those who went before us. God's placed over there, and we, we, we do it that way. They're not better. They're not above. They're not, no, they're answering to the Lord, and they're answering to the Lord for even more. And hopefully they fear the Lord. We live in a place of mutual submission. The Ephesians says that too. Submit one to another. See, like the husbands use the verse like, you're supposed to submit to me, woman. The Bible says it. And then wives are like, well, you're supposed to love me as Christ loved the church and lay your life down. You're still here, right? You're still alive. So you're not doing that either, right? And so I like what one pastor said. How about this? Husbands don't read the part addressed to wives because it's not to you. Wives don't read the part addressed to the husbands because it's not to you. Read your own part, move on. But we still submit to one another. You know, when, a while ago when Ange and I are just, our marriage was just strained, not in like divorce or nothing like that. Nothing, nobody was leaving. It's just strained, you know. Just one of those seasons of marriage like, man, I could not hit the ball out of the park like any day. And she felt the same way. And I remember the whisper of the Holy Spirit saying to me, Brian, somebody's got to die. Meaning to myself. You want things to get better? Lay yourself down. The best part of the flat plane of leadership is we're all on the same plane and we all get to lay down for one another. Sometimes we lay down for one another so they can crawl over us and get to the other side. Sometimes we go first because we're going to take the hits. We took some hits from COVID. You don't know. Most of you don't know. You don't know about the people who cussed me out. You don't know about the people who called me names and said horrible things to me. Or our elders. You don't know. Stuff that made me weep in the night. Stuff that tore my heart out. Stuff that, uh, it's a long story, but I'm pretty sure it's why I got COVID the first time. Because my immune system was shot from the stress and the grief. You don't know. And you don't need to. And somebody else did the same thing for me. And the same thing for others. Right? And down the line, that's, that's godly leadership. It's not trying to gain it. It's trying to lay ourselves down and be underneath it. I don't get under authority to gain power, but to die to myself over and over so that God might be lifted up in my life. 
Don't do it for me. Don't do it for your boss. Don't do it for your spouse. Do it for the Lord. Worship team, come on up. Colossians 3.23, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than people. I even just kind of feel today, maybe, maybe just in my gut, maybe in my spirit, there's somebody here today, you don't got to raise your hand, you just have the worst boss. They just make it a nightmare for you. And it's so hard. Every day is drudgery. You're like, God, what do I do? And the Lord would say, serve as if you're serving me, and I will take care of them. Leadership is going to screw it up, guys. There's there's just no avoiding it. There's there's no way they can't. I've screwed it up more times than I can, than I even know, I'm sure. Some of you are like, well, Thrive could have done this and should have done that. And you might even be right. And yet you're going to have to trust the Lord and hope I'm listening to him. Pray for me because I miss it. Pray for your elders. Pray for your dream team leader. Pray for your youth leaders. Pray for your kids' leaders. Pray for your husband. Pray for your wife. What if you love them like Christ loved the church? What if you laid yourself down? And, and some of you are like, well, I can only do that for so long. You're right. But the good news is at the end, there's a cross and a resurrection too. You will have to submit at times. You don't want to. But in that moment, the Lord is doing a work that you can't see. And it may be on them, and it may be in you, and it may be both. I won with some leaders in my life who I didn't have favor with. And others, I never gained favor with them, no matter what I did. I'm going to close with this story. I think I've shared it before, but when you speak every week, that's going to (laughs) happen. So years ago, very early 2000s, I was, for just a few years, a phone guy. Because there was a time we had phones with wires attached to them, if you don't know. They were in our houses, on our street. They were everywhere. And, and, and I was a phone guy that installed and repaired phone lines in people's homes and businesses. And I climbed telephone poles, and I spiked them and, and stuff. Well, I had a boss who was probably 10 to 15 years my senior. And uh, I was, you know, 21, 22 I drove him nuts. One, I have this tendency to over-confess. So when I screwed something up, but it didn't screw anything up, I still confessed it. And he's just pulling his hair out like, great, I'm going to get a phone call. The insurance is coming. Lawyers are coming. And nothing happened. So I would say something that danger was coming when nothing was coming because I felt so bad and wanted to make it right and I really wanted to be under authority. But in his mind, I was just a big screw-up 20-something know-it-all that just kept driving him nuts. And there was even so bad, his boss came into a meeting where we were shouting at each other. But I do remember this because I was trying. I was just failing a lot. I am a slow learner. Okay? And 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 one day, and finally, in front of his boss, I said to him, I said, have I not done everything you asked once you told me and taught me how to do it? Yeah. Then what else can I do? 
and he stopped and he, it looks like it silenced it. And then something began to turn. And I shared my faith with him several times. Brought him to church with me one time. It's him and his wife, they came once and it was like to a prayer meeting, it wasn't like church. And it felt a little like extra charismatic that night, so I'm like, great, <laughs> you know. But she was like weeping. And I'm like, well, this is either really good or really bad. <laughs> but they never came back, <laughs> never said anything. And then I ended up finally in a round of layoffs. I took the layoff and I went into full-time ministry. I knew that was like the window and the nudge of the Lord saying, it's time, go, Brian. His name was Brad. And I'm humbled by the story. I, I don't... I only cry like in the presence of the Lord. I don't cry much of anything else. But this moment, I was leaving, and Brad said, "Hey, can you take me? To, uh, can I take you to lunch?" Yeah, of course. Take a free lunch. We met somewhere. We're eating, and I just was like, "Hey, man, I want to thank you. Thanks for being a really good boss and enduring with me, and this and that and the other." And I, I say this with a lot of humility because this is the Holy Spirit. Okay. Brad, Brad Miller says to me, no, Brian, I need to thank you. You reintroduced me to God and the church, and I've been far from him. And I thought I was meant to teach you, and you taught me. I thought you were this young punk, and I was wrong. Now, he grew up Catholic. He gave his life to Christ eventually. He moved, I think, down to Atlanta, to this, now this is a guy who was stoic and not walking with Jesus and now to this day he's a deacon in his church he plays drums on his worship team he loves the Lord and he's raised his family to do so praise God you know what it, it, just, it was simple like learn to come underneath wherever you're at where God has placed you do your best to come underneath honors if you're working for the Lord and let God work. Because even if they don't listen to him, God will take care of them and he'll still raise you up. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10. So long.